Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast. It's Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, and Chris Schubert from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Monday episode of the show. It is a new year, and Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march through the playoffs. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year, and they have a newly updated website. And if you go sign up today, you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, and Bet Online is where the game starts. Speaking of Bet Online, I took advantage of my convictions about what I thought would happen on Sunday. I parlayed all three lines, hit it. I'm happy. Hope you are as well. Happy Monday to you, Kyle. Wow. So, I mean, between that and and Saturday night, you've you've had a heck of a weekend. Is what you're telling me. Yeah, you know, just hopefully it's not just a big setup for me to crash and burn, but uh, it it was a good sports weekend for for me for sure. Well, here's fingers crossed that uh, at least your your gambling with Bet Online doesn't come crashing down this, this upcoming <laughs> weekend. Yeah, I stayed away from everything on Saturday and Sunday. I was like, all right, I'm feeling pretty good. Right, I like all these lines. All right. Nailed it. Should be so here we, we are. Or, sorry, sorry. You know, no, it's good. I was just going to bring Chris in as well. So great minds think alike. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, happy Monday to you both. A fun Monday after the five of the six Super Wildcard weekend games. We got one more tonight. So weird, a lot right? of good football. A lot of good football to be watched. Yeah, it's weird that not everything is set for this next weekend. <laughs> and we have one more game to go, but here we are. And here we are with a fresh, and I mean fresh mock draft, courtesy of Kyle Krabs, came out right at halftime of the uh, Steelers and Chiefs game last night. Debacle. You can call it a debacle. You know, not to derail our conversation, but since they went to this seven seed thing per conference, we have a two-year sample size. The seven seeds are now 0-4, and the average score of those games is 33-21. to Were you was anyone here a proponent of expanding the playoffs? No. no. Okay. I was hoping we could identify a mid-major Chris in this situation <laughs> to give somebody a fun like seven seed shtick. And nobody wanted a seven seed. So it's not Listen, gonna I, happen. Not I gonna got a lot. <laughs> I got a lot of shticks. I defend Brandon Staley. I'm mid-major Chris. There's not enough room. There's just not enough capacity for more shticks right now for me. We all needed to see the Steelers play the Chiefs and the Eagles play the Bucks. Come on. I'm sure they at made a lot the, of money, though. At least the Eagles made the score respectable towards the end of the game. Just give these two seeds the buy again, man. Right. You know? Well, like, you know, we got we to gotta generate all this extra revenue. So mission accomplished. They don't care about anything. You know, half the team gets Half the teams in the league get into the playoffs now. It's dumb. 
We knew we knew that to be the case. Seventeen regular season games. Extra. Just just add an eight seed now, and then have the seven and eight play a play in game for right. an extra week. There you go. Yeah, have them play on Thursday, and then they can play again on Monday and play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's get real weird, guys. Great. Oh man. All right, Kyle. You got mock draft five and yeah, the fun. I don't know if fun's the right word, but the thing about mock drafts is you get a lot of feedback, and so. With yeah. this thing now 14 hours old or however long it is, which fan base feels the strongest about what you were able to deliver for their team? So um, I know the premium slack had some negative kickback about Kenny Pickett, but I think we need like Kenny Pickett's going to go high, right? And he went six in the mock to Carolina. Um, but if I had to identify a fan base, I would point to two. And I would say one of them had a legit question. I don't remember the name of the individual who asked me, but I was glad that they asked me and they weren't like a jackass about it, right? It was like a legitimate question because you know how fans get when you put out a mock and they're totally irrational about a reaction to a pick. And it was the Broncos taking Andrew Booth at nine. And I had said, uh, I do hate not going quarterback for Denver at nine, proceed to pick Andrew Booth, and then at 11 and 12, I picked quarterbacks. And they were like, hey, so it's kind of curious what the thought process was in you don't like a quarterback for Denver at nine, you pick Andrew Booth, and then Matt Corral goes to Washington at 11, and Sam Howell goes to Minnesota at 12. Like, what gives? And that was like a legitimate question. And my response was, you look at Denver's roster, and they are legitimate quarterback away from being a legitimate contender. And for me, if I'm going to make that decision to try and put this roster over the top, I'm not interested in a Matt Corral or a Sam Howe where you don't know how the transition is going to go. You're really flying blind. It's a big projection. It's a big commitment with a very high variance of, of outcomes versus Washington and Minnesota. Minnesota rebuilding. Washington has been in the mud, right? Like they've, they've got a little bit more time to make that investment and cater and, and build it along. So I do have Denver acquiring a quarterback via trade when I do round two, which is later this week. So that was one fan base that, that had a question and I was glad that they asked it the way that they did. little tease there for round two coming. Correct. You mentioned Kenny Pickett. You have him going six to Carolina and I'm actually writing about this for the Draft Network tomorrow because the discussion right now about the Carolina Panthers and what's going to happen at number six is not healthy. There's too many different thoughts about, well, it doesn't matter if they get a quarterback if they don't have the offensive line. They don't have mid-round draft picks. They need to trade back. They don't have cap space. And I'm listening to Charlotte Radio over the weekend, and I wrote Jamie Eisner a text message and said, Hey, I got to write about Carolina because everyone is so narrow focused on what they think is the most important thing. And that the only way to fix that is with this number six pick, well, we're not going to fix your offensive line and your quarterback with the six pick. But as Kyle reminds everyone all the time, there are more than what, what more ways to help your football team than just a first round pick. And so tomorrow, on the Draft Network, I'm going to share my thoughts about how to 
get it all taken care of for the Carolina Panthers this offseason. So a little tease from Kyle, a little tease from me um, about some content that's coming up the rest of the week. I really enjoyed looking through your mock, Kyle, and seeing seeing some of the um, the new stuff, if you will, kind of towards the end. And if anyone's ever watched the NFL draft, you know that the last eight picks or so can be really interesting in terms of players that sneak in um, and maybe aren't necessarily universally accepted first-round guys. And I think that's exactly what is captured here in the back part of your mock draft, starting really with number 31. You have Trey McBride, the Colorado State tight end, going to Tennessee. And so tell us about McBride and why you thought this was the right idea for Tennessee at this point. Yeah, you know, I was surprised to not get more negative feedback on that. And maybe it's because Tennessee fans are really wrapped up in enjoying their bye week and getting ready to play the Cincinnati Bengals this weekend. And they didn't read the mock. I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe if they read yeah. it, they'd have more negative things to say about it because it is kind of an off-the-wall thing. But I think about how Ryan Tannehill has traditionally had success as a quarterback. And of course you, you still have AJ Brown and you have Derrick Henry in the, in the running game. And of course he's back for the playoffs, but you no know, Ryan's always done well with a pass catching tight end. And, and McBride is well-rounded skill set for the position. There's a high level of scarcity at the position uh, in this year's draft in the early portions of it. And the depth has taken a little bit of a hit with guys like uh, Sam Laporta, going back to school. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of just being mindful of the depth of that group for guys that you think would make sense. Um, this was kind of, it's kind of a weird spot. I know this is a popular Nicobe Dean fit and it, that's kind of been there, done that, right? You're a team that likes to run the football. Ryan Tannehill has traditionally done well with passing the ball to tight ends. And you lost Johnny Smith this past offseason and didn't really replace his production from the tight end position. So all of those things add up. And I was like, yeah, like this is the end of the first round. Like he could be a really nice three down two way style player that would make a lot of sense in both the run game and the passing game for Tennessee. The other one towards the back of the, the first round or actually right at the end of the first round is San Diego state edge rusher, defensive lineman, Cameron Thomas going to the green Bay Packers and, you and I had chatted about this on Saturday or Sunday, whenever we last talked. And I said, in my mock last week, I had this pick locked and loaded, and I switched it to uh, Daniel Falele. And so you want, we never even talked about that. And so funny, funnily enough, you do it. You give them Cameron Thomas. And so tell us about your your thoughts there on, on Cam Thomas to the Packers at 32. Yeah, so first and foremost, I think the Packers have to be thrilled with the development of Rayshon Gary throughout the back half of last year and then this season without Zadarius Smith. Uh, he's really come into his own as a former first-round pick. Preston Smith's had a really successful year as well. I mean, those two guys are, are both nine, nine-and-a-half sacks apiece. Uh, Zadarius Smith is somebody from a contract perspective. It sounded like they were building towards a potential split uh, this season. And I do think that this would be a very Packers-esque pick to stay out in front of a primary position and avoid having a glaring need in that regard. And I mean, this dude's 6'5", 270 pounds, and he beat the tar out of everybody at San Diego State. Like, he was dominant this year. Ten and a half sacks, 20 and a half tackles for loss. Uh, He's one of a couple. Logan Hall's another one who ended up coming off the board at 24 to 
uh, Dallas, and that was done before Randy Gregory played one of the worst games of his life and had three penalties or whatever and um, was a big contributor in, in Dallas continuously shooting themselves in the foot and losing to San Francisco yesterday. Uh, but Logan Hall and Cameron Thomas is two edge guys in a really deep edge class that pushed Jermaine Johnson out of the first round as a name who um, has been really popular for the past couple of months for us here in our circles. And it's just like these guys that are 6'5", 270, 275, uh, when they're as twitchy as these guys are, you're going to have a really hard time ignoring them playing a premium position in the, in the top 32 picks. So Cameron Thomas, that kind of keeping an eye towards that third pass rush role um, in Green Bay was a Darius Smith potentially on the outs. The same thing happened to me as it did you and that Charles Cross, it's just hard to find a spot for him, yes. the offensive tackle from Mississippi State. And so we both have him going in the 20s to the Cincinnati Bengals. And, you know, I got questions last week. It's like, well, isn't this like one of the best 10 players in the draft? Like, isn't he like a high pick type offensive tackle? And then it's like, yeah, I mean, I hear you, but there's just Do the he's kind of scheme specific and in like he's a left tackle and some of these teams need right tackles and the right, you know, the, the players are pretty similar that you don't feel that big, you know, that bad about putting a different player ahead of him. So I mean, this guy just kind of falls, right? And then it's like can, air raid tackles in general, they fall, right? That's the one thing we know about right. so studying can we, the NFL. Can, can we take the walk? Yeah, let's do it. Are you, are you gonna are you gonna draft Charles Cross over Kyle Hamilton if you're the Atlanta Falcons at nine or at eight? No. No. Okay, Broncos. You've got Garrett Bowles at left tackle. You're good at left tackle, right? Right. Okay, cool. Uh number 10, Jets. I literally just had them draft Ikemiquana. Right. In this mock draft. Okay. So we're, we're not going there. Washington. No, they just paid Leno. They just paid Charles. And they Leno. have Cosme as the other tackle. They're fine. Correct. Minnesota at 12. No. Cleveland. Feel like they're set. Uh, especially Jed. Jed right. Wills at left tackle. Right. They're good. We don't got any problems there. Baltimore Ravens. Ronnie Stanley. Not a fit. Not a fit. Also not a fit. Very good point. Uh, Philadelphia, they just played, paid Maitala a million dollars for every five seconds he's on the field. Right. Right. And they got back to back picks. Chargers. Rayshon Slater, right tackle. tackle. Right. They need a right tackle. New Orleans was interesting. I think that's the first spot out of everything that we just went through where Charles Cross was like, yeah, I could see it. 18. 18. I had them go Jamison Williams. Uh, Eagles back on the clock at 19. Yeah, Chris. Can we talk about the pick that you gave the Saints at 18? Because I think the player selection is interesting because I was very intrigued to see in the first mock after the national championship game where Jamison Williams fell after the injury. Is this where you think the floor is? Is this as far down as he can go? No. I mean, it's hard to say with the medicals and, and the injury being right here at the end of the season. But... You know, if they're if they're going to find a way to bring Jameis Winston back, this is the perfect wide receiver to play in this offense. Mm -hmm. With how effective he is as a downfield player and a guy who who can create after the catch, and they they need wide receivers very badly in New Orleans, right? And we don't know if Michael Thomas is even going to be back. Like as big of a hole as Teron Armstead is, at least you got Ryan Ramchek at right tackle. And to continue the Charles Cross thing. Pittsburgh, 
I gave him a quarterback because they desperately need a quarterback, right? New England Patriots at 21. Maybe, but he's a weird scheme fit, right? Correct. Raiders. I gave him an offensive lineman. I gave him an interior offensive lineman. They're a power style running team, and they have Colton Miller. Arizona at 23. Paying TJ Humphreys, are they not? Right. Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> it's tough, man. So there, so there you go. Like, I I got to about 20, and I'm like, shit, man. Like, excuse my French. I really don't want Charles Cross to be on the board here. Right. But as you go through the exercise, lean frame, scheme specific, high level pass protector, air raid player, as Joe said, teams need right tackles, not left tackle. It was just really hard to find a spot that made a lot of sense. And I know people will look at that and be like, yeah, he's a better player than that. And I don't disagree with you. But when you actually go through and apply, try to apply logic predictively based on who teams are and what they're looking for. He's a hard player to find a spot for. I agree. And like we, when we did the live mock a couple weeks ago, he kind of fell. I had the same thing happen. You had the same thing happen. So it's kind of tough. Um, but, you know, the, the it just it does make sense when you take the journey. How many quarterbacks? You got four? Four in the first round? Uh, yeah, so we went six with Pickett, uh, 11 and 12 with Corral and Howell. And then at 20, and we went Carson Strong to Pittsburgh. How do you feel about Sam Howell, 12 to Minnesota? That one that one popped for me. It makes sense, but how is that being received? And how did you like how did you feel about it? Well, I mean, the the plan is to move Kirk, right? This is a new head coach coming in, new general manager coming in. You have a good opportunity to make this transition. And Sam was at his best, and I wrote this wrote this out, when he had Javante Williams and Michael Carter in the backfield and Diami Brown and Daz Newsom to throw the football to. He lost all of them this year. So naturally he takes on twice as, a, as heavy of a rushing load, um, and his passing efficiency dips significantly. So I look at the supporting cast that he has, I say, okay, Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison in the backfield, good. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, good. It's a friendly environment for a young quarterback. So if you're going to make that transition and you need to be mindful of a trying to free up the $35 million in salary cap that you could free if you do manage to trade Kirk Cousins because his base salary is fully guaranteed this year. And what else you could add in an offseason when we don't know what Aaron Rodgers' future is. Chicago's got a new head coach and Detroit's probably two years away. Like, why not take a swing and try and free up that money and see if if you can get comparable play with a young quarterback who uh, has athleticism, has shown that if you put a good supporting cast around him, he can at least find the right places to get the football. You can lean on that running game as he continues to grow into a starting role and have an extra 30, I mean, subtract what Howell's going to cost with, with his cap hit. Mm-hmm. You're going to have $28 million extra money to play with to try and add around the rest of your team. And oh, by the way, you're probably going to get an extra pick on Wednesday or Thursday when I put out round two and Kirk Cousins gets traded. Mm. I feel like I I can kind of connect the dots and figure out where he's going based (laughs) based on this podcast. 
Kyle, when I look through this mock draft and I say, what's my favorite value pick? And, and I want to ask you the same, but I'll, I'll give you mine as you get an opportunity to, to make that choice. But Ahmad Gardner, Sauce Gardner, the corner from Cincinnati, going number 23 to Arizona, to me is the best value in this first round because I think he's a player that's definitely worth that pick in that range, but also how cleanly he addresses a need for them at corner. And I like the analysis that you offer here about some of these really dynamic receivers in this division and passing offenses that just, you know, we know what they want to do. And so you get a guy with his foot speed and his hip fluidity and his long range and ball skills and willingness to tackle. And he's tailor made for NFC West football. And so if you're Arizona, you have to feel great about landing him, what he means for your team and within the context of the division. So that's my favorite value pick. Curious what yours is. Probably Devin Lloyd at 28 to Detroit. I mean, it's wanted to potentially consider giving him a quarterback. Um, but again, I'm, I'm not going to force that when they are undertaking a very deliberate long-term approach to trying to build the team. And uh, you take into account, they also ended up getting Kayvon Thibodeau at two. So your first round is Thibodeau and Devin Lloyd in your front seven. And you get a couple difference makers there. And Devin is not Jelani Tavai, right? Like let's, let's be very clear. Um, this is not a 250 pound two down thumper between the tackles who can't offer you value on third downs as Devin Lloyd has shown this year. So um you think about trying to stop the running game in Minnesota with Dalvin Cook, the the power that uh, David Montgomery brings in the Chicago running game, Aaron Jones, uh, A.J. Dillon, that two-headed monster in Green Bay. Uh, this is a kind of player that, that can really help your run defense too. And, and you know, getting a best player available who I know some staff, guys on our staff think is a top 10 player and getting him at 28 because of positional value is is really good value in my mind. Shuby, how are we feeling about these Jets picks? Ikema Kwanu, the offensive tackle from NC State at four, and then number 11, David Ajabu Edge from Michigan. You know, you, you address offensive tackle, pass rusher, but like, how do you feel about this? And what are Jets fans craving? What don't they want? So, okay, there's a multi layered question there. I'll try to take it in <laughs> parts here. Um, the first thing in, is Iguanu at four has become a very trendy pick in at least mocks on the draft network, right? I think the last three or four have seen that fall. So that's kind of been just imprinted into my brain of that's kind of a trendy selection there at four. And I don't have a problem with it. They need to shore up an offensive line that at times during the season was abysmal. So, no problems with that. Love the pick. Fine with it. Tens where it gets interesting because now you have the rest of the board fall to you and in weeks past this pick it has been as high as number five it's been six seven eight it's been all over the place now with the season being over we know it's going to fall at 10 and I certainly think adding another pass rusher to Carl Lawson who didn't get to play at all last season because of the Achilles injury is very important Carl this has been a name that's been thrown around he's not available um in in this mock draft he's been available in in previous ones and that's been one that that makes a lot of sense i love the pick because i think they really need to focus on the defense very heavily and i think what they're going to do is they're going to take an approach of their dollars in free agency are going to go to one side of the ball and the draft capital is going to go to the other side of the ball and i don't know which way it's going to go yet but they're going to make a very pointed decision 
of we're going to put all of our dollars on this side of the ball in free agency, and then in the draft, it's going to go the other way. And so it's just going to be depend on who they can talk to, who they can get in the building, who they can agree to. Now, you asked me another question. What do Jets fans want? Well, right now, they want to take whatever pick can land them Calvin Ridley, and they would like to send that pick to Atlanta. Mm. That is what they want to do right now. They're okay with not picking twice in the first round. Get in line. There's about 20 of the teams that want to do the same thing. If you offer them Ben, the deal's got to be done, right? That deal gets done immediately. I would think so. Um, And I ultimately think it's going to take a first in order to get Calvin Ridley. There's some theories out there. I wouldn't give up 10. I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't give up 10 for him. I I personally wouldn't. I would offer Carolina second and then potentially another pick, um, whatever that pick may be. I am not comfortable giving up a first for Calvin Ridley because you have to – you do have, uh, t- 10, but you also have to re-sign him, too. He's a free agent. So you have to give, you right. have to you give that one, up. And, one year on the deal, and his cap hits like $12 million next year. So you have to – I, I don't feel comfortable with that. Um, but there are some Jets fans out there that are that are starting to wow. drum that up. So Wow. Yeah. With how the NFL is finding receivers on day two, you want to give up 10 for Calvin Ridley, who's not even that young. But can I can I tell you what, Joe? And this this is credit to your team. Hold on, Kyle, because this is a really good point. The The – is this a wee-woo? Are you going to wee-woo No, it's me? not. Go ahead. I just I want the okay. four next. Go ahead. Okay, you can have the four next. But, Joe, there there, there are, are sections of Jets social media, Jets Reddit, and Jets Twitter that are pointing to the glow-up that Josh Allen had when you got him an established number one wide receiver in Stephon Diggs. And now with Calvin Ridley being available, there is this theory of get Zach Wilson an established number one wide receiver in Calvin Ridley and attempt to flourish. So that's where it's coming from because they've seen it work in the division and that's what Jets fans want. I can't blame them for the thought process. I don't necessarily agree with the follow through of giving up the number 10 overall pick or really giving up anything more than one second round pick in order to get Calvin Ridley. I guarantee you the fan base in South Florida is going to gravitate towards the exact same thought process with the exact same justification since the news came out over the weekend that, that Miami envisions two as a starter in 2022 and they're committed to him and they believe in him and they want to build around him. And this pick with San Francisco is now going to be in the mid twenties. If they lose next weekend, um, that exact same narrative and conversation is going to happen with, okay, yeah, go out and get a wide receiver in Calvin Ridley, who is an absolute stud and put him with your young quarterback going into year three or into the Jets case year two and watch the jump happen. So the Bills gave up pick 22 and a fourth-round pick for Diggs and a seven. And they also, the Bills also gave up a six. Now, Diggs was an older player and was under contract for longer. Those things matter when we're dealing oh. with this. So Calvin Ridley is he's, not a He's not chicken. young. Right, he's like 28 next season. Yeah, he's... He turned, yeah, he turns 28 next season. I don't even, I mean, is Diggs even 28 right now? He's on his second season with the team. And just to, while Joe's Googling that, just as a quick follow-up, talking about finding wide receivers on day two, I found another one over the weekend. Yeah, dude, I wouldn't do it. Especially, I mean, look, oh. I, I'm not going to criticize the decision. that I know that you agree with me, but for the, those that do agree with it, but like Ridley needed to do what he needed to do this year, but he didn't play this year. And that has to carry some weight with your willingness to part with such a premium asset to bring this player onto your football team. And presumably because of the investment that you're making into him, immediately give him a contract extension. Yeah. This is a good receiver class, man. (laughs) You're giving a premium draft capital 
and you have to sign a guy to a long-term extension who, for for what if whatever reasons he was personal, for personal let's reasons, just say for personal Cal- issues for personal it's reasons personal he, issues. he yeah. but didn't play for a whole season. There's a lot the the risk when you're making a trade's already high. There are more risks associated with this kind of trade. So it ain't going to be me. I'm not pushing for the Jets to trade number 10. But Joe Douglas has kind of set the groundwork for this. He's talked about how well, we find ourselves in a position where we can be aggressive and we can pursue different avenues to improve this roster. He's setting the tone, not specifically for Ridley, I think, but for the we can explore every possible option, which includes mm-hmm. trades. We can be that landing spot. And so this, this stuff's not going to go away. I think both Kyle and I's teams are going to be in the middle mm-hmm. of this all offseason long. Chris, you got to hope for a pick swap. You got to hope for an Orlando Brown Jr. type deal. Yeah. If you're going to swing that and bring Calvin Ridley to New York. Because I can't envision envision giving up 10. No. For Ridley, no questions asked. No, I'd have have a tough time with that. Again, there are a lot of receivers I like in this draft. A lot of them are going to be available when you pick at 35 on day two. Especially when you add in what Arizona gave up for Hopkins. Like, you can't give up more right. for Ridley right. than the Bills did for Diggs or Arizona did for Hopkins. There's some level of precedent here. I mean, and I think that that offers plenty of enthusiasm or optimism that Ridley gets moved if that is indeed the move for both parties. But a top 10 pick, top 20 pick, I have a hard time getting on board seeing that be the pathway in which this deal gets done. Because Diggs wasn't even a, uh, a top 20 pick, right? They were 22. like 22. 22. Yeah. <laughs> and then, Joe, I remember your your recollection of, yeah, you know, when, when that pick comes up on the clock at 22, you don't lose an ounce of sleep because you know you got a really good player for that None. pick. No sleep at all. But 10, <laughs> <laughs> 10, I lose a little sleep. In this class, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's anything else. Fun mock draft, Kyle. Yeah, good good stuff, Kyle. Thanks, guys. Pissed my own fan base off. That was fun. <laughs> they got PTSD with drafting offensive linemen. So they all they saw was offensive line. They're like, nope, we're out. No, thank you. <laughs> Don't want that. Right. Well, if, if you're gonna make two of work, you need an offense, you need a running game yesterday. You need all the offensive linemen you can get your hands on. And I'm sorry, I ain't bang, banging on Austin Jackson for shit. It's over. At least Liam has one season. He can go find a spot somewhere. But Zion Johnson, uh, me gusta. It's a good player from Joe's region. So believe that's going to do it. Anything else? Any, any administrative things we need to? I just eagerly the await the second round so I can get mad at you on the Twitter. Oh, great. All over again. You know what? Let me. Um, let me. I'll let you know tomorrow how angry you're going to be. Okay, so you guys are just going to have to hit subscribe, come back tomorrow and find out what the teaser looks like. And then the mock is going to come out either Wednesday or Thursday, undecided at this point in time. Uh, But looking forward to adding a second round. It's always fun this time of year when the the draft order stabilizes a little bit to do some add-ons. So Kyle Krabs, Joe Reno, Chris Schubert, thanks always for checking out Draft Dudes. Guys, make it a good one. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.